Hello, and welcome to Tales from the Leeds Library, the Leeds Library's podcast series in which we talk to members of our extended community about their lives, their work, and their relationship to books, libraries, and literature. Founded in 1768, the Leeds Library is the oldest surviving subscription library in the UK, and throughout this series we'll also be diving periodically into the library's rich history to find out what makes us and our members one of the most interesting and unique cultural institutions in Leeds and the UK. I'm Molly McGrath, the project's assistant at the Leeds Library, and today our guest is writer, musician, broadcaster and writing organiser Peter Spafford. Peter has been writing professionally for over 30 years. His work has been produced in theatres, cathedrals, museums, art centres, libraries, day centres, hospitals, prisons, streets, schools, and on television and the radio. He hosts Love the Words at Chapel FM, where he is also the director of Words, and his poetry collections Quick and Frisk are available both online and here at the Leeds Library. Um, so, hello Peter, thank you Hi, Molly. very much for joining us today in the library. Um, this is a bit weird because yesterday it was the other way around and you were asking me the questions um, at Chapel FM. So, uh, yeah, feels good to be back in the interviewing seat. Um, so, our first question is, how did you kind of first get into literature and writing? Um, how did you first fall in love with it? How was your relationship to it changed over the years? Um well, I think I first fell in love with words thanks to my mum. She was very my my mum was very she she knew a lot of her generation was saying that she knew a lot of stuff by heart. She knew a lot of Shakespeare by heart. She mm. knew Kipling and she knew um, the listeners. Is anybody there? Said the traveller knocking at the moonlit door, which was a very sort of a Victorian favourite. It's Walter de la Mare actually, but she used to you know. Sort of my bed at night, yeah. and, uh, before I went to sleep, and just and and just recite a poem. It's yeah. a facility I That's don't amazing. have. Right, so she was great like that. I mean, she was that that was her her thing. So I think I kind of felt. I mean, it's interesting. My my sister who is nine years older than me, uh, she won't read my books, my poetry books. She, I hate poetry <laughs> because Mum put us off poetry by yeah. droning that horrible. And I said, well, listen, it's the exact opposite for me. I absolutely put me onto it, but yeah. it put her off. But I know, uh, so that's, I think, when I fell in love with, with words, yeah. And then, um, sorry, you go about to say something. I cut you no, off no, no, no. <laughs> um, so I guess that's kind of your kind of childhood memory of it did you was there like kind of a long period I know a lot of people have a, a period in the adolescence where they also are like no poetry is the worst and only for losers and yeah. you know soppy romantics or was it always like a constant constant love no it wasn't yeah you're, you're quite right I think you, and it's interesting yeah I think a lot of uh, early teen I, and I read a lot um, of kind of Vina Blight and the children's stuff mm. and then I went off it for about three or four years and uh, and then I was about 16 I suppose and we were and I studied the wasteland um, uh, for yeah. a for O level and I, the, the teacher I remember reading some reading some segments out from the beginning of the wasteland and I was I was a goner you know from that moment I just mm. thought well this is what poetry can be and can do as well you know mm. um, and and also I remember there was a bookshop opened up uh, nearby, and I and I and I went to the bookshop, and it's the first time I'd ever been in a bookshop. Strangely, my mum, my mum and dad didn't do other kinds of culture at all. My dad didn't do any culture at all, mm. he, he, but and my mum didn't go to bookshops. She really didn't go to the theatre. Uh, so it's the first time I'd ever been in a bookshop, and I and I remember just again falling in love with the sort of, you know, just the. I mean, you know what I mean. It's the kind of the feel of the heft of the yeah. books, the smell of the pages, and I and I went to a teacher my English teacher and said so what do I do you know I want to buy a book should I I want to buy a big thick one and and, it, and, and there are two I really like one's called Gone with the Wind uh, and one with one is War and Peace and he said yeah, okay, maybe you start with Gone with the Wind which I did mm-hmm. and actually it's, it's a great read although mm-hmm. now it's it's discredited in terms of race politics and quite rightly in some ways but it's still a good book uh, and War and Peace I read when I was about 16 and uh, yeah. it was an absolutely transformative experience for me yeah, yeah. I remember reading um, Crime and Punishment when I was probably about that age. And I feel like you you always have that like first Russian book that you yeah. read that you're like, whoa, this is different. Yeah. This is cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember that so clearly, actually. Oh, I couldn't wait every evening just to get back to it and read 
what happened next to these characters and, yeah. uh, who had names that I couldn't have pronounced but I, I could just say in my head in the way I said them but it's uh, no I mean and that, and that got me into poetry and also into novels and uh, so I, I've had a kind of yeah I've, I've and I love language I love words I love mm. the, the sound of them the feel of them the, uh, the way you can put them together in poem in a poem that in, yeah. in, in a way that those two words three words have never been put together in before in their lives and to say something th- about our world you know yeah. the world and our, our human life well yeah I mean to bring it up to the the present day obviously you do many other things you you, you write um, in many different mediums which I, I really like um, and we'll talk about that a bit later but you I, I mean I mainly know you through your work at Chapel FM um, where you have the great and enviable title of Director of Words, which is very cool. Um, can you tell me a little bit about your, your work there and Love the Words, which is kind of your, mm. your programme that you produce? Yeah, well, um, East Leeds FM is a radio station that we house at Chapel FM Arts Centre. We used to, um, you, you saw around it yesterday, <clears throat> and um, we were before that we were now back behind some shops mm. at our rent office and uh, Boggart Hill, which is further up in Seacroft. Uh, and I started there about two thousand nine ten. I was taken on really just to do stuff with words uh, uh, and broadcasting. I, I broadcasting was new to me. Mm. I did had never done broadcasting before. Um, and I and I loved that from the very beginning. And I, I really and so my job there is to, as the rather pompously titled director of words, is to um, to really give give writers, local writers and readers, a platform mm. to air their work, to talk about work, to talk about uh, you know poetry, novels. Uh, we I do a festival every year, or we do as a team, but I kind of curate it called Writing on Air, which is all writing on radio. It's all DIY. Uh, people making their own programs and, mm. and really love the words is just a platform and has always been for people who want to come on and do stuff uh, yeah. and it's it's uh, I, I don't know of any other radio station uh, that in the country that does such a lot of that mm. and, and and has that kind of facility so yeah. I love doing it so it's, it's, it's a wonderful job I love the building and I you know we've got a great team of people yeah and you work really closely with the community at Chapel FM I think that's one of your main kind of mandates and I, I know that you've done a lot of, of that kind of work before and you've worked in prisons I think yeah. um, and with community groups how uh, you know people who have no prior experience or even interest necessarily in, in language and literature mm. um, what kind of thing what draws you to that kind of work um, and what have you learned from doing it over the years I don't know mm. it, often um, we had uh, James Nash uh, poet uh, on this podcast and he talked about his work with with kids mm. um, and poems and that that was kind of so refreshing and there's so much that you learn about you know through teaching mm. poetry I don't yes. know if you find um, similar things I, I I really enjoy working with people who are just discovering language I've, I've never been interested in teaching I've never been interested really in teaching writing mm. I, I, I see my job as a kind of a, awakener in mm. a way somebody who awakens a latent power of, in people to express themselves through language and and I love it when people touch on that they suddenly touch it it's like a kind of energy that mm. they suddenly find there was I mean even last night actually we've had a young people young people's group uh, mostly 13 year olds at Chapel FM and there's a girl there she's 13 um, she was we did some writing and, and she's clearly somebody who is who's who's just who delights in finding words she came up mm. and she talked about uh, rain splotching her face uh, we, t- we, look, we were thinking about things that are in the outdoors we do in the outdoors um, and things that we like and we don't like so having rain splotch your face what she, actually what she talked about was it splotched at her face it splotched mm. at my face and actually I thought yeah you're somebody who's taking a risk with language mm. you're moving out of of your familiar territory mm. and really pushing you know and it's you know it might be a, it might be it's obviously it is a word it might not have been used in that way before and when we all as a, as listeners heard that piece of writing we went, oh, that's great because mm. that's how it is yeah you know it does splotch at your face some rain does yeah, yeah, yeah. she was delighted because it she suddenly saw the effect of that 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 language on other people yeah so and i <clears throat> I've loved working working in prisons with with 
with young men particularly and women uh, who again have had very li little in in terms of education about words are being put off <coughs> poetry they're being put off all that being told they can't do it and then they suddenly find that they can and they that they can express uh, themselves through words they have the language anyway or mm. they want to read and expand their vocabulary mm. and I love working like James I love working with children and I always find that just fun and refreshing yeah so it kind of you know <clears throat> hearing that go last night really uh, sort of finding that energy uh, mm. refreshes my energy and my kind of zest yeah 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 I mean it's interesting um, I always think when we have you know, poets or, or writers or anyone who works with literature talking about um, collaborative work or work with communities because I think there's this image of the poet as this very lonely, introspective, solipsistic figure mm. who's kind of, you know, writing alone up in a garret somewhere. Mm. Whereas actually I think the, you know, so much of work of poetry, so much of the inspiration, so much of the impetus to write comes from connection, this urge mm. towards connection and, and relationships. Um, so I don't know how do you do you how do you find that those two things coexist in your life and work? Well, I have a fantasy, Molly, about being the kind of writer that sits in. That. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't we all? <laughs> yeah, it's a it is a fantasy because when I, and I do it occasionally. I had a wonderful week last summer. I had a residency with the Britain Peers um, Foundation mm -hmm. down in in Suffolk, just using. It was the house of Imogen Holst, who was Gustav Holst's daughter, and I was. Who was Gustav Holst? Gustav Not to Holst. sound like a, no, an idiot, but uh, <laughs> he was a, a British composer from oh, okay. uh, of Dutch origin, yeah. working in the twentieth century. So, and Benjamin Britten was obviously a, 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 an English composer, British mm -hmm. composer, uh, and his trust from his copyright, I presumably from his earnings, because he didn't have heirs, goes towards all sorts of stuff, but you know, it also they have three houses that they lend out to writers and mm -hmm. composers. So I was oh, there right. for a week on my own and it was just bliss. And I could be that writer who yeah. just sits there. But I don't think I can do it for more than a week or two. And I I, I, I really love it's a constant struggle. It's a constant sort of friction with me between mm -hmm. being out there and in here you know, in here as internal, out there. I'm not a natural extrovert. I, every time I lead a group, even mm. after all these years, I get slightly nervous. I get I have to really think about what I'm doing. I blush easily and go into a bit of a, a kind of meltdown if I'm not careful and I suddenly feel I'm like I'm 16 again or, <laughs> or 20. So it, I don't find it easy, and it's, uh, but at the same time, it nourishes, it nourishes me, and I, and, I, and I really love working in the team as I say that we have at the moment at Chapel FM and I, and I love collaborating with other artists as I do yeah. and I, as I am all the time so uh, yeah you can't please me really yeah <laughs> well yeah no I guess it is that struggle but I also think it's so I mean I, I see that kind of um, that kind of lonely poet figure is quite damaging in a way sometimes obviously you know it's it's it, it, it's, uh, it's really it's pervasive but I think it's often it's kind of like yeah, quite a masculine, lonely, romantic mm. uh, figure, which which um, can exclude a lot of people sometimes. Yeah. I think, um, but yeah, this idea of collaboration, I'm really interested mm. in. I think that's where a lot of kind of really rich, exciting, interesting work comes from. And I know you've done a lot of collaborations and worked across a lot of of different mm. um, media and and forms. So I mean, I know that you've done poetry and radio plays um, and yeah all sorts of stuff can you kind of give me a little bit of a brief insight mm. into into that and what the other kinds of work that you produce are um, well I'm a bit of a <clears throat> flippity gibbet in the sense that again I, I don't settle to anything for that long mm. um, so <clears throat> I I like to I like to scat and skit between different forms I, I mean the thing you know I, I've written for you know librettos for operas and musical theatre I'm you know as you say poetry and um, and uh, but the television radio I've done I've done lots and I obviously work I love sort of hybrid forms where it's a mm. bit of this and a bit of that I mm. love things which crop up and they and they just take a form and they tell a story mm. but through maybe it's a letter it's a piece yeah. of music it's a fragment it's something that that's the way life is really yeah. we're putting stuff together aren't we all the time and I think that's the thing that unites everything I do I can feel like if I'm 
as if I'm a storyteller mm. and that the form <clears throat> suggests itself through, through what yeah uh, through the, what that content is through yeah. what that material is one of the really interesting collaborations that i saw was you'd done some um uh I forget the term um like photographic poem portraits yes, poem or something portraits. poem yeah, portraits yeah, that's yeah, what it was and you kind yeah. of well i mean you probably can uh, talk about it better than i can <laughs> um well that that's interesting i i've i've collaborated with the photographer lizzie coombs quite a bit in the past with some work in prisons together mm. and then we just decided uh <laughs> we got asked by by um by um an arts organisation to do some work on an estate in Huddersfield, quite a difficult estate, and and really we were told we could do what we wanted, mm. and we just thought, well, why don't we, why don't we just, I write a poem, you take a photograph, put them next to each other, oh, why don't we just put them in the same mm. frame, and we call mm. it, ah, oh, it's a poem portrait. So that's what we did, and I and I love it. I I I I sit with somebody for maybe half an hour, three quarters of an hour. Mm. I, from what people tell me, I I I kind of. I build a poem as I'm talking to people. Mm. Um, I may have another meeting with them. I go away, I draft something, I give it back to them, and they go, yeah, that's all right. Or, or you could change that. I'd really like you to change that. Or that, isn't, that word isn't the word I used. Or, mm. and, and, and so there's the poem. Lizzie takes a photograph. They go together. And we've done about three or 400 now with mm. various communities and individuals. And sometimes I get sort of commissioned to do them by individuals for, for partners or for you know people who are on birthdays and I really enjoy that as well and it's and it's always a huge responsibility because you know you're writing about somebody's life but you're taking a, sort of yeah. a, a portrait in words of that person at that particular moment um, and you know you're giving it back and a lot of the stuff I do I, I is the same I, I my first one of my first jobs as a writer was writing a play about Humberside Police so I lived with Humberside Police <clears throat> really on a well for about eight months mm. and just went around wow. with them did what they did and I don't mean I did what they did I was watching <laughs> <laughs> but um you know it's it, I, and then the, 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 the I wrote I co-wrote a play uh with for remold remold about Thunderside police but mm. that that moment where it's the you know it's the, if it lights up on that play you're surrounded by people you've researched that play with I was sitting next to the wife of a policeman who had told me some very interesting but very intimate details about and stories around the tensions and stresses on a marriage <clears throat> of her and police, how difficult it is for police to sustain marriages and relationships. You know, there she was sitting next to me. Mm. And I, you know, it's, 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 there's an accountability that I is thrilling and also onerous. You have to get it right for those people if mm. you don't. You know, they you lose their trust, you lose their faith, and I, you really want to get it right. Same with the poem portrait. I want somebody to, to I want that person to own it. I don't necessarily want them to like themselves and in reflected in it necessarily. They mm. might find something in it that they yeah maybe that is me, but that's it. but I'm, usually people are you know I don't I've never had anybody reject a poem. I, some I, I find it very satisfying when somebody wants to change a word yeah because they have really and taken have ownership of it. Uh, yeah. that, that must be interesting um, just from a kind of creative perspective if someone has quite a strong negative reaction I mean I don't maybe mm. you haven't had any but uh, that comes from mm. a place of like kind of truth you know like they see something that they don't like about themselves reflected mm. back and they kind of reject it well the only uh, the only really negative and this is interesting I it was a young woman I and we were we were doing this project and it was in a short start which was mm. Um, short starts. Short starts were kind of uh, preschool centres, really, for parents and children, mm. very young children. And she had a small child. She was probably about twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two herself. And I did the poem with. I sat with her. And I took something down, and then I sent it to her. And she said, "I don't like it." Mm. And I said, "Okay." She didn't want to tell me why she. Didn't. I said, "I don't like it. I'd rather you didn't do it." And so I thought, "Okay." Oh, my first reaction was, oh, poor, poor, poor. <laughs> you know, <laughs> puff, puff. Who's the professional poet here? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but uh, then I thought, no, I, I really want to know why it wasn't right for her. And then I phoned her again and she said, I'm really sorry, I just want to go through this because I feel that I really want to do something for mm. you. And she, was, she said, I'm just boring. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't, I just don't have anything to say. I don't, I don't, I, I, I don't, you know, I'm not worth it, is what mm. she was saying. 
um, <laughs> I found that really upsetting. And I said, well, you are. And maybe I just didn't ask the right questions. And I, and I realised I hadn't. I think I, I just mm. hadn't asked the right questions. I hadn't made her feel interesting. Yeah. Um, so I asked her, I said, let's start again. And, I, and I, then I, we talked again and she gave me some lovely stuff, memories of her mum and, and what her mum had done for her and, and a sort of thoughts about being and feelings about being a mother herself. Yeah, yeah. And then I wrote the poem and she said, yes, that's fine. That's so interesting. And it's so, I mean, you don't usually think of poetry as a, as a kind of medium for portraiture, whereas maybe uh, film, you, you know, or, or mm. visual arts most... Uh, most yeah. kind of usually uh, are, are more kind of suited but I think words actually can create really vivid portraits uh, in a way that other mediums can't and, and I actually sometimes <clears throat> think about you know like these yeah the humble podcast uh, <laughs> as a kind of um, medium of portraiture because you're mm. asking questions and you're trying to get a snapshot and it is you know it's difficult sometimes and it is mm. you know you have to photographers always talk about you know trying to get that connection with the person that they're they're shooting otherwise it doesn't work and it's not a true portrait and mm. I think there's kind of yeah there's a really interesting tie between what you do I guess at Chapel FM and what you do in that um, mm. and yeah poetry as well but I also I mean I, I one of the other aspects it's not portraiture necessarily but but of representation and of capturing a kind of a place and a people um, one of the other projects that you did in that area was a, a really interesting collaboration with Ralph Fenoir. I don't know how to pronounce it. Is no, that it's right? Tenure. 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 Okay. Yeah. Who, yeah. Well, he's a, a German poet from Dortmund. Is that yeah. how you pronounce that? Yes. Okay. Wonderful. Um, which is one of the cities twinned with Leeds, and you kind of um, came up with this project um, to go. I mean, you went to visit him, and he came to visit you, and then you created this these these notes and publish them in a book um yeah. can you tell me a little bit about that yes of course <clears throat> well and, um you probably remember our little referendum in 2016 <laughs> uh but um yeah after that i just i had a real sense of wanting to connect with writing communities in other cities and a bit in europe <clears throat> which was my way of sort of wanting to yeah uh, of saying uh, my resistance i suppose to how i've to the referendum result. So I, I, I put out a kind of message to writers in Bruno, which is one of our cities, twin cities, that's in the Czech Republic, mm. and also to Lille, which is our French twin, and also to Dortmund. Mm. And um, I had a few responses in Bruno, poets and writers, but, but Ralph has done in Dortmund, had done a lot of collaborations with other poets, and he just said, yes, yes, I yeah, will do yeah. this. So he... Um, <laughs> Yeah, so we got we, Leeds City Council very generously gave us some money to bring him over. He came over here. He made his 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 little diary of just his impressions of Leeds, and he we had a lovely time. Got on famously. Mm. He's a very lovely chap, and he's a really good poet and just a, a massive enthusiast. And then I went over there again with help from the international section of of Leeds City Council and I and I wanted I saw I mean then I went when I was in Dortmund I, I decided what can I do I I, I just wrote a diary yeah. really but in terms of just things I saw and felt in Dortmund over a period of eight eight days and I and I from and I had one or two days where I just sat in the tube and I just wrote down and I took a journey of, of say 10 minutes and I wrote down exactly who I saw get yeah. on and get off and and, I, and it was an absolutely lovely time. He came back again. And then uh, in, in 2020, in May, we had a whole, <clears throat> I was gonna take another poet and also Lizzie the photographer. We were gonna go over there. I'd got some lots of work organized in oh, schools. Really? And then oh something gosh. happened. Yeah, wow, oh, I go. didn't know that. Yeah. Is so that it's something all... that's kind of indefinitely postponed yeah. or? Yeah, okay, yeah, that's amazing. Cause this, I mean, year. Yeah. this book is fantastic, it's always, um, quite boring when people describe physical objects uh on the radio or in in podcasts but i'm gonna do it anyway because i think this is good it's a it's kind of you've got on one side you've got your english kind of version then you've got the translated german version on the other side and then it's obviously the other way around um and i think it's really interesting that one side is always a translation i think that's really cool and you i mean yeah you are quite methodical yours are quite you your yeah the little diary entries um and they're quite descriptive, and then Ralph's are kind of a little bit more random, um, a bit more surreal, bit more surreal, <laughs> bits of conversation, 
Um, and it's really interesting to see, again, to read them and to see Leeds through a kind of a, mm. uh, the eyes of someone from Germany. There's a bit in Mommy Ties. <laughs> well, he loved this yeah, to the, the restaurant down it's the road. It's so good, yeah. So good. Shout out to Mommy Ties. They've expanded it too. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Uh, it's really, really cool. Um, well, so, it was great yeah, to be... It was, I took him round in, in, in Leeds and, of course, he, it's, you suddenly see... Yeah, your city differently through the eyes of yeah. somebody else, and he would, you know, he stood by the fish stall in the market yeah. and just wrote down all the all the fish. Yeah, you know, and he went, oh, look at that, you know. I'd go, oh, I've lived here for twenty years, and I'd forgotten that I loved yeah. that thing, or I liked that thing, or I, I didn't things I didn't know at all. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it was really, and the same for him. Yeah. There's kind of a bit of the element of a kind of flaneur from both yeah, of them, exactly. kind of walking around. Yeah. I thought it was really. I don't know if you have um, any favourite sections from this. So I'm going to read from this book, which is in the library, mm-hmm. in Leeds Library, uh, the Leeds Library, Road Markings or Reise Gedanken. And uh, yeah, I'm just going to read a bit from my, my time in, in, in Dortmund. Um, and it's almost at random, really. I've just picked this page. I remember being on a train uh, going on, on the day trip to Cologne, or to Cologne. Mm. And uh, yeah. I won't read it in the German, Molly. I'll read it in the English. That's absolutely <laughs> fine. <laughs> okay. Early morning, I'm walking briskly down the still dark Schutzenstrasse, the Champs Elysees of Nordstadt, towards the station. In the distance, the U stands. The U is is this wonderful. If you go to Dortmund, and I do recommend it, it's a fantastic mm. city. But it's uh, it's an old brewery that has. It's called the U. And I'm not quite sure. It's now an art centre. It's like mm. an art centre on different floors of an art gallery. And it's got this massive U or letter U on the top, which and it's sort of it's a, it's a really wonderful uh, building. In the distance, the U stands, head swimming with pictures because uh, um, it's these these cinema pictures are kind of flash, sort of projected onto it. Mm. So it's all waves crashing on the top of this building. It was most surreal. Uh, they've been washing and crashing all night. These waves, as we slept, Germania watching over the Rhine, Blade Runner, the gates of Mordor, the train to Köln. A young man shields his face. The logo on his white T-shirt reads "Super Dry." He's reading from his phone. He is weeping. He is weeping here on the morning train. Should I comfort him? Bad news, perhaps. A broken relationship. I look out of the window. A field. A march of pylons. A town massing in the distance. When I look back at the young man, he too is looking out of the window. There is no trace of emotion on his face anymore. Super dry. And then in Cologne Old Town, or Cologne Old Town, I nearly walk into the smartly dressed woman because I have my head in the air, looking up at a spire. She stops to let me pass. As she sets off again, she smiles to herself. Today she is working, but on other days, in other cities, she too has been a spire gazer. So it's in that it's in that sort of yeah uh, yeah it's observation. Yeah, it's yeah, what yeah. I see, I suppose. Uh, um, whether that's interesting, I don't know, but I hope it is. No, I I was such a fan of this this book, and I really like the. Um, I think yeah, I mean obviously travel writing tends to do this but this these kind of all of these names that are kind of hmm. uh that come at you that are so interesting and, and different um and and mixed with imagery and it, even just the way that you read it kind of interrupting yourself with little bits of of memory and i think that the kind of the form of this really is so true to how you how you hmm. travel and experience these little snippets of other cultures and, and how you remember them as well actually afterwards hmm. Um, which is really cool. I'm actually I'm really interested in this idea of of place and permanence um, in your work because I know that I mean I don't think that it's one of the themes that is necessarily you know looms large in in your in your books of poetry, but it's the one that I I kind of connected with um, perhaps because I am a relative newcomer to Leeds, so I've spent the last kind of couple of years getting to know the city and and that's kind of been on my mind forming a connection with it. Um, and you were commissioned in 2019 by Leeds City Council to produce um, two poems for Marble Benches in Kergate, um, which I really like. And then uh, you kind of revisit, you've got this poem in your in your mm. second 
collection called Frisk, um, where you revisit them mm. in this kind of like, you have this kind of humorous anxiety mm. about the kind of legacy and permanence of them, which I really like. So I wonder if you could maybe, uh, yeah, maybe read the, the, first, the original poems and then okay. talk a little bit about that project um, and then yeah, and then maybe okay. read the other one. The, All right. The follow well, up. That's, that's, yeah, okay. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, I was actually, I think it was a commission was in something like 2010, actually. Oh, okay. To, Sorry. To, to originally um, to write some poems for the benches. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, and I, oh, thanks. And it's called Kurgate's Sequence. And um, so I wrote sort of four poems. Um, and only a few lines were actually used in the end because okay. well I knew that only a few lines would be used because there's only two benches mm. uh, so I knew that it would only, but I, I wanted to give, give the people who commissioned it Steve Dearden and the, the council um, <clears throat> some stuff to choose from so anyway I, 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 I suppose they're all meditations in a way on the street it's mm. the oldest street in Leeds and it goes, it's the one that if you if you go to Zara off mm -hmm. Brigitte, Lower Brigitte, and then you walk down towards the market, it's that. It's very, it's very innocuous. Oh, no street. way. <laughs> yeah. It's that one? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. I have no idea. I walk down there all the time, actually. That's yeah. so strange that that's the oldest street in... It's the oldest street in Leeds, wow. and it's because it connects, or one of the oldest streets in Leeds, because it connects... The, the market which was Brigitte mm. to the parish church so you had church and commerce really mm. uh, and then you had the river further down so the two basic sort of you know kind of you could say sort of facets of human society yeah you know, religion and the market yeah it's really interesting <laughs> actually that um I found one of the ways that I and we've we've talked about this um talked about it with um Sean Page on on the um this podcast but the kind of one of the ways I've really been able to make a connection with Leeds is through learning about its kind of local history um mm. and the history of the yeah the history of the city and the town before it's a city and um going to museums and finding out about the yeah the local history I think that is the way that you really kind of mm. connect to a place and and have some kind of ownership of it maybe yeah. I think yeah I do too. I absolutely, I, I agree, Molly. I think it's, you know, and I'll always be a sucker for going to a church. I'm not a, I'm an atheist, but I, but I love churches. Yeah. And there's so much there. Just walking in there, you know, mm. it's just. But also, yeah, I, I, I'm interested in, in, and actually, that was the thing. One of the things that came up in Dortmund as well. Uh, you know, the the the, 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 the force of, of commerce of trade. Mm. You know, mm. that usually, and it, there's a there's a. There's some fantastic photographs of Dortmund, which are after, just after the war, when you know aerial views with complete rubble. Mm. But what you can see is the street has been kind of cleared, and there are there are stalls where people have begun to trade again. So mm. it's all barter. And so you know that's the thing that brings us together. Yeah. It may be you know however we feel about capitalism. You know it's it's that that the. the as human beings we have to buy and sell we have to trade yeah you had a great um phrase on your website which was something like welcome to my street stall in the great oh, yeah. market of the internet or something i thought that was really yeah. really good well I, th I think it is a, it's, one, it's one of the hopeful things about you know when wars end i think people are out on the streets almost immediately however mm. awful it's been and they start i have to start talking to each other through yeah. buying and selling things so i mean it's also one of the things that keeps wars from happening <laughs> you could argue that, <laughs> that you know in the with the ukraine at the moment one of the things that you know the Nord Stream pipeline is a is a is a real factor in that you know the who buys and sells gas and how we get it anyway that's another thing but 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 um yeah so i'll read this kurgate sequence which is kind of about the history of for me sort of historical sense of the depth of that street mm. Uh, this is the first one. I love you, but nothing is set in stone. Hot cinder, the look he threw me across the lane. Look after the pennies, the banks will look after themselves. In the narrow street between God and market slips the secret. Be tender with time, stroke the skin of every minute. Weather writes the only words 
stone remembers. The second poem. Drop your bag and instead of your own, a tumble of other things spill on the paving. Compact, clay pipe, fish knife, pouch of snuff. Who were we? Who comes after? What of ours will they carry? Three. Shopper, dreamer, beneath your foot, two yards deep, the print of my own treads lightly, set in clay, as I strolled Kurgate to meet my girl ten lives ago. The last one. Remember weather, change in the breeze, if worry nags or memory tugs at the sleeve. When hope is lean and the heart lacks, try the door to the theatre deluxe. Lift your head, remember the sky, when worlds are flat and level holds the eye. If limbs are thick and feet have nowhere to go, sit for a while by an open window. When ice melts and continents drift, give what you own to love and not to thrift. They're great, thank you. Yeah, I don't know, I really, I loved, um, I really like that first one as well. I really like the kind of, the little snapshots and little thoughts, because I think it's so kind of reflects walking around a city again and kind of having these these impressions of kind of lives that you can mm. kind of see into. And I think that's kind of the, one of the joys of poetry in a way is that you get these really kind of small snapshots into these very kind of intimate parts of people's mm. lives and you connect with them and then let it go. I think I really like that element mm. of it. Yeah, I'm glad. Thank you. I, I, I haven't read that aloud before, I don't think. Certainly not the other three. I have read the first. Yeah, so that's a nice opportunity to revisit that. Yeah. And um, yeah, the ones they chose for the, the, for the book, for the benches, were I love you, but nothing is set in stone. Yeah. <laughs> um, and weather writes the only words stone remembers. Okay. If you go down there, it's very literal when they were choosing yeah, what words to be carved into stone on these benches. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you go down there, you know you'll see on the mm. bench there's Anthony Dunn's poems, which are on the ground. Yeah. And then um, uh, you should interview him sometime if you haven't already. Uh -huh. Okay. He's a lovely guy, a very good poet. Yeah. And um, yeah, and the the two benches as you buy Zara, and then you put a bit further down mm. have, but they but the paints will gone from. Yeah. And then um, I really like so well. This is from your first collection. Yeah. Quick, um, and this is from. I forget, sorry, when was this published? Oh, that was two thousand sixteen. And that's Valley Press. Valley Press. Yeah. In so, Scarborough, wonderful press. Yeah. Um, and then Frisk is your your second collection yeah um and this is by yaffa press and this was more recent yeah um and we you actually kind of read some poems from this in a, a great now but verse yeah. session with with hannah stone recently which will i mean hopefully be up online at some point somewhere um i'll try and link that as well in the kind of description and you have this wonderful when i was flipping through it you have this wonderful um revisiting of these poems in a very it's i mean these are they're quite um constrained um quite um there's you know brief and then this is this kind of like mad almost word vomit um <laughs> that's so full of kind of anxiety and it's i just i honestly laughed out loud so i'm wondering if you could maybe read this okay. one as well yeah yes well i i, I suppose it is a med meditation on uh, it's just, the poem speaks for itself but it's uh, yeah i did notice when i walked down that street that that um that the black paint has gone yeah. from uh, and I was walking actually down uh, I walked with Matthew Bell with the storyteller uh, one evening and I said oh you like these he said oh, those are your benches or they're not my benches but but yeah so he, and the paint has been sort of rubbed off them or yeah. just gone but they've it's been eroded with people sitting um, and that made me think oh it's interesting <laughs> uh, I like that idea of things you know that's what happens so anyway this is called Kurgate Sequence Revisited to write words for stone, engraved on stone benches, carved in stone. Words I've written, immortality, commission, plus, plus. Who would eschew paper, screen or air 
to have words published anywhere is fine, but ephemeral surely compared to... And six months later, there they were, letters gouged out of stone, inked with black, forming words, forming resonant phrases, I love you, but nothing is set in stone. Weather writes the only words stone remembers. And down on the pavement, as shopping feet clacked toward market, twixt Debenhams and Zara's six choice lines of done. Antony, of course, fellow Leeds poet, and a good one. How I savoured strolling past my benches with a bag of greens or cod from the fish market, seeing a drunk slumped across love or a woman on her phone, obliterating weather. But now my own words mock me. The ink has faded on the E and the R. What the fuck is with? And on the other bench, the rich black bleachers from love entirely. And what do we make of I, you, but nothing is set in st? Well, what to do? Yeah. Should I write to the council? Ten years ago, you commissioned me, Spafford, poet of Headingley, blah, blah. And this really is a priority, ah, bloody are in a global pandemic. Right, I think I will do it myself. At night, sneak down with bottle of ink, become thereby CCTV sensation. Poet, court, 3am, lead city centre, touching self up. And meanwhile, look carefully. Antony's words down there on the pavement don't fade, not a jot, are actually darker, a tad more defined because shit from shoes and boots has filled them in, and yes, because Antony's a better poet. All right, all right. Vanitas, vanitatum, sculptors, writers, beware the allure of commissions pertaining to street furniture. For all furniture rots in the rain, even stone. Then we die, ass, bollocks, etc. That's so. Oh my! I was snickering all through that because I just think it's so funny. Um, <laughs> thank you for reading that right. one. I really liked it, and also, yeah. But I mean, it's it's kind of uh, semi kind of joking, but actually kind of taps into this, uh, yeah, anxiety about permanence yeah. and and yeah. legacy, yeah. which I think is is really important to kind of think about mm. and really, you know, felt by everyone. And especially, I think, when you work with with kind of sound and recording and that mm. kind of, that thing, those things are so fleeting. Mm. And yet te- videotape recordings are often kind of really um, uh, important historical documents and, and really insightful ways and of, you know, hearing mm. people talk about their lives is mm. so much... Um, it's a really, you know, interesting record of a kind of culture and a community. Absolutely. It's what we were talking about yesterday in our in chat with the yeah. chapter left, um, when I was interviewing you and you're talking about digital writing and the, the perishability of that, mm. you know, the fragility of that. But I, as we were then saying, you know, it's kind of, yeah, I mean, stone, anything, whether I see any word stone or mountain, you know, everything, everything goes, everything yeah. will go. And it's a peculiar mm. kind of 21st century anxiety, I think, as well, because you know, on the one hand, you have everything as permanent or, you know, as permanent as it can be with, you know, everything that you write online is kind of there for you to see and agonise over five years later when you can't remember the password to your Facebook account, for example. (laughs) Um, And yet at the same time, there's so much produced, there's so much content that it's kind of everything is ephemeral and nothing, it has the same gravity, like the printed word doesn't really carry the same force as it would have done hundreds of years ago mm. which I think is is really interesting and and actually you had another I mean maybe if I could be very cheeky and ask you to read one more you had another poem I think about um, I think it was called Virtual Tour or something oh yes yes um, mm. about kind of again it's it's about like cities and, and heritage and, and history and looking back which is what I am interested in because I mm. um boring and a nerd I guess not at all Um, well this came from it's called virtual tour and I I don't know if you I was driving back through Florence Mm. uh, sorry Florence not Florence France Mm -hmm. with some friends the other year and there's a 
there's a there's a village that was destroyed by the Nazis completely. It was in retribution for mm. I think there were some the resistance being caught and some fighters being caught, and it, they just literally destroyed the whole village. And it's but it's still there. It's mm. been left as a ruin. So it's a bit like it reminded me. I've not been to Pompeii, but it reminded mm. me of that thing of just this is where people lived, you know, and they've yeah. and they've labelled the different houses. There's photographs where you can see well, who lived there. The blacksmith lived there. Yeah. And his name was Jean. You know, That's so interesting. It's so interesting that you should mention Florence as well because actually, um, Florence is a, a weird city and it's it's kind of it's they've made such an effort to preserve it because it's obviously yeah. so famous and historical. Mm. So it's a weird time capsule mm. as well as being a kind of working city. Um, but they they've also they've got this project where they've digitally mapped the history of of Florence. You can mm. do a, a virtual tour, and it actually weirdly this poem made me think of that and, mm. and kind of recollect it. And and I don't know, it's kind of uh, you know the positives and the negatives of, of that kind of digital history, mm. digital heritage. So you can kind of um, see <clears throat> Florence as it would have been through kind of different stages. Well, that's interesting. I, actually, I find Florence and Vienna both a little too preserved in a way yeah well again it's this kind of and we were talking about archiving things yesterday um this idea that once you archive something and once you preserve it kind of it's obviously it's not a living thing anymore it's kind of dead um and and yeah the kind of the emptying out of of city centers Mm. um when they you know become obviously sites of heritage yeah Yeah, museum museumification of cities is really interesting yes I don't think Venice is like but Venice when I last went there has still got that kind of slightly lived what it's towards lived in and feels very flaky and crumbling and you know kind of but but, but Florence did feel about that but anyway this place I forget what it's called and it's 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 very moving to, 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 to walk around through it anyway this is yeah a virtual tour you will stroll through streets scoured clean by heritage, peer into the husks of buildings strengthened by specialist techniques, crane over walls serrated by collapse, cemented tastefully and ochred by artists, hearing in your headsets guide notes penned by fluent archaeologists. Find us, too. Our forms brittle as eggshell, held at the instant of apocalypse. She at a table reaching for a book, teacup. He stooping, picking up a shoe. Me sitting upright, sensing the tremor in the keys, typing this poem. So yes, I suppose it's also about how we are not immune our society mm. is also fragile mm. we're, we're not immune I think we're very attuned to the idea of apocalypse whether that's tidal you mm. know, climate, climate change or whether it's nuclear or now pandemic you know I think so uh, yeah it's not past we live with that yeah and we too could become those shadows on the wall in Pompeii without being too bleak but no uh, I really I love all that stuff I I just recently finished reading um Handmaid's Tale um and at the end I don't know if you read it but at the end there's this kind of um it's set in this kind of dystopian apocalyptic future um and then at the end it kind of jumps forward and there's this section where they're kind of talking about this horrible dystopia um in the way that we'd maybe talk about uh, kind of Nazi Germany or, or mm. those kind of darker periods of our past and saying, oh, you know, you could never happen again. But then it's just, you know, I think it was so interesting that it, it came after this kind of very real, scary depiction of how we could slide into those mm. awful kind of uh, authoritarian. Yeah. Uh, whatever. Oh, The Handmaid's Tale. Yes. Sorry, I beg your pardon. Yeah, yeah, Sorry. yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yes. Yes, I've never read it. I, I, I watched the... You know the first three or four, uh, you know, progr- uh, episodes yeah. in the first series, and found it almost too. It was during the first kind of years of Trump, and I yeah. just found it too difficult to yeah, watch. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, poetry in the apocalypse is very cool. I think <laughs> as a theme, I don't know. Yeah. I wonder if there's stuff about that out there. Well, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, you know, I grew up at a time when I did expect 
you know, in the 80s than not to live beyond, mm. you know, the age of 25, 30. I was convinced that we wouldn't get through that. Uh, but hey, you know. There's always another disaster. There's always <laughs> another one. And on yeah. that, I guess, uh, happy, joyful note, we'll, I guess, <laughs> wrap it up. <laughs> well, it's nice talking to you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you so much, Peter. This has sure. been really interesting. Um, for, I mean, obviously, so we've got your two collect, um, poetry collections in the library, Quick and Frisk, um, for members who are interested uh, in having a look at those. But can we find them online anywhere? Are you online? How can we find out more information about you? Well, uh, there's, well I've got a website, which is peterspafford.com. And um, there are various other things. The Poem Portraits website as well. Mm-hmm. If you Google poem, poem Portraits with my name uh, or Lizzie Coombs, you will find a sample of those. Um, I've got a SoundCloud um, and a Bandcamp. But, and um, you're a musician as well. I, have, yeah. I didn't even mention that. That's anyway. a bad... Uh, interview <laughs> I think we always uh, interesting we, we tend to interview according to our interests and I Definitely. think if, 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 if that's, that's fine I, I mean I, I enjoy being a sort of doing different things and music is something I've kind of come out at come out as a musician yeah. in the last 10 years or so I don't really enjoy doing that musical stuff but um, what was I going to say oh yes for Bandcamp and SoundCloud I use the name Edible Tent okay. so if you if you google that you'll find musical things I've done and you have, is that the same, it's not similar, is it? It's like something, oh, Electricity Burger is, is Ralph in this. Yeah, there are two pieces in Road Markings. But freedom. Yeah, yeah. I don't know where you get hold of this, I'm afraid. <laughs> you just have to borrow it from the library. I've it's, got about yeah. five copies left. Well, it's really, I mean, it's a really fantastic, um, cool piece of work. So oh, well, I'm so I'd glad really you like that. You it's, it's, oh, thank you. This has been a podcast from the Leeds Library. Links to more information about our guests and any works talked about can be found in the description. If you'd like to find out more about the Leeds Library and any of our upcoming events, please visit our website at www.theleedslibrary.org.uk or you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook at The Leeds Library. Thank you for listening and keep your eyes and ears peeled for more tales from the Leeds Library in our future episodes released every Wednesday.